0: From the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network Studios in Des Moines, this is Iowa Ag Matters. I'm Riley Smith. In today's show, Dustin continues his talk with ICGA President Jolene Reason on the show floor at Commodity Classic and brings us another conversation from Houston on Regenerations with Dr. Paul Sheets of ADM. Also, Andy has more from the latest edition of Pods of Potential with research agronomist Drew Clemenson and Iowa soybean producer Brian Fager. Now, here are your hosts for today, Mark Magnuson and Andy Peterson. Dustin will be making his
1: way back from Commodity Classic here shortly. I'm thinking back, Andy, to last year at this time of Commodity. Man, I was dead tired. I had done just about, I think, enough interviews for Commodity Classic, so I know how Dustin is feeling right now. But we will have a a lot of information and great conversations from Dustin here today on the show. And our first segment today brought to you by Sweetwater Technologies. Join in on the road to 1 million acres to find out more. Check out SweetwaterTechnologies.com. And Andy, I know Dustin had a chance to catch up with Sweetwater at Commodity, so looking forward to that as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Meanwhile, we'll get going on the markets here. Not terribly surprised to see a little bit of weakness in corn today. Soybeans a little bit of a bounce back, just as what's happened this week um in the uh, in the markets corn have been up four straight days so at some point anybody who took a longer position especially at the end of the week was probably going to uh, take their profits however large or small they they may be because there haven't been many profits on the long side here as of late so we'll get going on a market conversation speaking of commodity classic mark you have a chance to visit with matt Bennett from agmarket.net at commodity classic to uh, first start us off by analyzing the grains and oil seeds markets.
1: Joined today by Matt Bennett of agmarket.net for our opening market discussion. Matt is in Houston for Commodity Classic. Matt, what's taking place in the grains?
3: You know, essentially um, beans are bouncing back just a little bit after kind of a rough day there yesterday. Uh, You're looking at uh, corn really, really quiet as of right now. Uh, But overall, you know, it looks like uh, maybe it'd be just uh, a quieter start to the day anyway. I don't think anything would surprise me. You know, the way that the direction's been here lately, it seems like, uh, you know, all of a sudden we'll be trading five, six cents lower on corn. Uh, last week, especially Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, was just a debacle. Uh, this week, fortunately, has actually been a good week. So, you know, we've had a nice little bounce off those lows we saw last Friday.
1: What did we learn in that CME report? It sounds like just three deliveries against the March corn contract yesterday evening.
3: Yeah, I mean, there's not a whole lot of deliveries out there right now. So, I mean, the thing is, it's been very interesting to kind of see how this March has traded. I mean, obviously, uh, you couldn't hardly give it away there last week. And then, you know, a little bit of interest, actually came in this week. I mean, you look this morning, for instance, and actually corn is up a quarter uh, uh, March, you know, uh, every other contract's down a penny or more. So, you know, I think that there's a little bit of unwinding going on, a little bit of people covering maybe some shorts as you're going into delivery, but, you know, there's not as near as much activity as what I expected to see.
1: Matt, are they still flying through harvest in South America and moving right into that Safrina crop corn?
3: That's what uh, that's what the reports have been. You know, they haven't had quite as much rain as what some had predicted maybe two, three weeks ago that they would run into here. You know, and so I think it had gotten along fairly good. I mean, it's definitely warmer and drier in that part of the world right now, and the forecast continues to point towards that, at least at the short run. You know, but some of your models are bringing in better weather as you get on out past, oh, I don't know, maybe the first week of March. So, you know, uh, the Brazilian producer is probably going to be smiling if uh, some of the cr- current forecasts maybe uh, uh, come to pass, but at the same time, uh, you know, uh, we talked a little bit yesterday morning at the early riser, you know, that there's only maybe two or three things that could really get us uh, uh, too hopped up. One of them would be weather issues for Sabrina, and I, I certainly don't wish it will on them. It's just, uh, you know, if you take that one away, then I think that, uh, you know, you could be back to maybe a little bit more of a Path of least resistance is lower type of feel.
1: Thank you to Matt Bennett taking the time to join us from Commodity Classic in Houston this morning. And it's time now for the
2: three big Iowa ag matters.
4: Number three.
2: Trading in a deficit still is the U.S. At one point, a lot of folks had hoped to change that. But according to the USDA's trade outlook for the fiscal year 2024, Betty Rosnick, an economist with the American Farm Bureau Federation, says they are showing lower
5: agricultural exports. There's still expected to be a record agricultural trade deficit of $30.5 billion and also an annual decline in agricultural exports of about 8.3 8.3 billion dollars to now 170.5 billion dollars and that reduction is fueled primarily by a reduction in both the value and volume of soybeans and soybean products and also a strong U.S. dollar.
2: She says part of that is a revising down of exports to China while a bright spot certainly is increasing expectations for trade with Mexico and Canada. Number two. Spring prices are set for crop insurance for the 2024 growing season now that the month of March has rolled around. And they are substantially lower than a year ago, as you might imagine. In fact, a whopping dollar twenty-four under on corn at $4.66 last year was $5.90, and on soybeans 1155 per acre in the revenue guarantee course that reflects the um, average of the December contract during the month of February and the formula does of course account for what happens in the month of November as well during harvest season before final payouts are determined. Number one. Telling the story of Iowa agriculture to a national audience at Commodity Classic. Pat Swanson, Southeast Iowa farmer and District 9 director for the Iowa Soybean Association, says they're bringing many concerns to the national meetings in Houston.
6: Just the funding for the trade and, and uh, you know, concerned about tariffs, concerned about we want free trade for our soybeans. So talking to, you know, and and going to those markets ourselves. I mean, we're traveling. Next week I'll be traveling to Romania to see how our checkoff dollars are being used there, see what other things we can do, and also to tell our story. You know, it's really important that we tell our story about what we're doing on our farm to keep their soybeans the highest quality Um, and the most affordable soybeans in the world.
2: You can hear more about the issues being raised by Iowans to the national organizations on our website at iowaagnet.com. I'm Andy Peterson, those are your three big Iowa Ag Matters.
4: Are you ready to diversify your farm income? Sweetwater Technologies Powered by GRIP is offering the next generation of agricultural entrepreneurs
1: turnkey owner operated drone business partnerships. Together we can grow and empower agricultural communities through technological solutions. It is our vision to build economic growth for future generations. Apply today to become a business partner and join our journey on the road to 1 million acres at SweetwaterTechnologies.com.
2: Well, conversation continuing here on Iowa Ag Matters. From Houston, bringing commodity, commodity classic to you as there's a lot of key information that's being discussed and presented, including What Dr. Paul Sheets had to say with our friends at ADM, a key presentation on sustainability programs. Look forward to that conversation and then also optimizing your seeding rates on soybeans can be an efficiency master during tight profit margin times, which we're certainly going to be in, it appears, during the 24 growing season. So lots of great stuff coming at you here on Iowa Agmatics. Continuing the conversation here on maximizing profits during times of low commodity prices. There's certainly a lot of concern about those uh, numbers that we see in the marketplace. Andy and Mark in for Dustin here on Iowa Ag Matters today as Dustin covers Commodity Classic uh, perfectly for us in Houston for another day or so. He'll return on Monday. And one of the ways to maximize profits is to optimize seeding rates on soybeans. Research being conducted by our friends at the Iowa Soybean Association, Drew Clements and the uh, research agronomist and Brian Fager, the participant, joining us as part of the Pods of Potential Podcast here on Iowa Ag Matters. And Drew, it seems like the mindset may be a little bit the opposite of corn in regard to seeding rates, less on your better ground for soybeans and more on the tougher ground.
4: The mindset is anyways, and that's kind of what we're trying to to dive into and understand is it are we making the right assumptions and and we often talk about uh, like you mentioned the opposite of corn where on our better ground we want to put less population in our poorer soils we want more population but what is more and what is less and, and where are we starting from to move more or less and so that's kind of what what we're trying to to understand with this trial work.
2: Um. Talk a little bit about agronomy. You, I mean, you, you sort of mentioned it there uh, on better soils and, and poorer soils, but um, what, what have you been able to learn, I guess, at this point about how different agronomic uh, factors determine uh, seeding rates, or at least what are you looking at as far as trying to learn uh, more about those different factors?
4: Yeah, so after the 2023 growing season, uh, still compiling a lot of that data uh, that we. we we captured a lot of that, and outside of the trial work where we're looking at one variable, a seeding rate, and whether it increased or decreased our yield, there's a lot of other factors that play into that, and, and uh, soil types, topographies, nutrient environments. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of variables, so we're trying to understand those and and be able to pick out what seeding rate works in what different environments out in the field.
2: Mm-hmm. Brian, what uh- interests you in seeding rates and so because there's a risk here right I mean the risk is that it ends up costing you some yield as is the case with any trial Mm
7: -hmm. yeah I think uh managing for uh, the variables in our in our area you know in southwest Iowa I mean we have a lot of topography change we have a, I mean we can go from you know 85 90 CSR ground down to 40 CSR ground inside you know a township and so you know and even at the farm level so trying to manage get down to the details of you know every acre and how we're managing for every acre I mean this just kind of
2: goes right along with that. So talk a little bit about the trial how you implemented it what you did and uh, uh, what you saw that type of thing absolutely
7: well like I said you know I do a little bit of precision planning dealing on the side so I was building a new planner for myself this last year and so you know we had all the latest and greatest uh, on the planner and uh, so I was like well I want to take advantage of what I'd just done and so um, we picked out a spot that was pretty uniform had a had a, had a gradual slope from top to bottom. So we did a replicated trial from top to bottom on this hill and it was um, really with the with the monitors now, it's super easy to go in there. And even though I'm planting on a 16 row 30 inch planter and I'm harvesting with a 30 foot wide head, I can shut off the rows do a, do a block for these set of rows, and then I can go and switch the planter on the next pass to be able to, to get the blocks that I want at the exact population I want to get it at.
0: If you thought soybeans were only used for tofu, think again. From tires and adhesives to next-generation asphalt, soy is used to create over 1,000 industrial products and counting. Thanks to your Soy Checkoff investment, the sky's the limit for Iowa soybean farmers. Oh, and speaking of skies, did I mention soy is also used in sustainable aviation fuel? The Iowa Soybean Association, powered by the Soy Checkoff, is driven to deliver for Iowa's 40,000 soybean farmers. Learn more at IASoybeans.com.
1: Up next on the show here on Iowa Ag Matters, we have the latest cash prices from around the state with the basis report. Thanks to Riley for our basis report. And also, we will have more discussion with Dustin and Jolene Reeson from the Iowa Corn Growers Association. That's coming up here on Iowa Ag Matters on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network, where Iowa Ag Matters.
0: Time now for a check of the statewide cash basis prices here on Iowa Ag Matters. I'm Riley Smith. Taking a look at cash bids around the state, ADM in Burlington trading the May contract, corn 16 under at 412, beans 12 under at 1134, Cargill in Eddyville trading the May contract, corn 15 under at 413, new cooperative in Algona on the May contract, corn 20 under at 408, beans 65 under at 1081, Ag state in Sheldon on the May contract corn four over at 420, beans 73 under at 1068. Ag state in Alta corn on the May contract corn at 21 under at 407, beans 67 under at 1079. Cargill in Cedar Rapids corn on the May contract even with the market price at 428, beans trading March five under at 1136. Nexus Co-op in Marble Rock on the May contract corn 10 under at 418, beans 50 under at 1096, Lincolnway Ethanol in Nevada on the May contract, corn 17 under at 411, ADM in Des Moines on the March contract for beans 12 under at 1129, new cooperative in Red Oak on the May contract, corn 23 under at 405, beans 55 under at 1091, Mid-Iowa Co-op in Green Mountain on the May contract, corn 35 under at 393, beans 58 under at 1088. New Cooperative in Sheraton on the May contract, corn 38 under at 390, beans 60 under at 1086. Walk-On Feed Ranch on the March contract, corn 33 under at 383, beans 57 under at 1084. New Cooperative in Glidden on the May contract, corn 20 under at 408, beans 55 under at 1091. Innovative Ag Services in Farley on the May contract, corn 21 under at 407, beans 50 under at 1096. Hi, my
4: name is Ethan Smith, and I've been a certified crop advisor in Iowa for about six years. The Iowa CCA program is valuable to me because it helps keep me informed on new topics and research around the industry, including soils, insects, diseases, and much more. It's also a great way to network with others around the state and beyond. Iowa is known for its crops, and that's why we're here. To learn more about becoming a certified crop advisor, visit iowacca.org.
0: And that's been a check of the area basis prices here on Iowa Ag Matters. Stay tuned. We still have plenty more to go over in today's show. Coming up next, uh, Dustin will be talking with Iowa Corn Growers Association President Jolene Reason, finishing up that conversation that we started yesterday. Of course, he had the chance to visit with her at Commodity Classic down in Houston And we'll have more coverage from Dustin's trip down to Houston as he talks with Dr. Paul Sheets of ADM later on in the show as well. You're listening to Iowa Ag Matters on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network.
1: As we start to transition more and more away from automobiles that run just on gas into more vehicles in the fleet that are electric powered, what do we do in the time in between? Well, ethanol can help to bridge that gap. Dustin Huffman talking, of course, with Jolene Reeson of Iowa Corn.
8: The EV industry, I mean, the whole thing just ties together with one big order.
9: Well, and and you know, and and I know as okay, so as a corn farmer, not real fond of EVs, but yet I know that that is probably going to need to be a part of our transportation system. But do not make me make my tractor EV, make my my vehicles in my neck of the woods EVs, because. First of all, it's not practical. Um, I had a guy and and he did the calculations. It would take 66, um, I believe it was 66 half ton batteries to run a tractor for, and I think that was like six hours. I'm like, first of all, the compaction. Second of all, the, you know, I, I work longer than six hours in the spring, in the fall, whenever, you know, out there in a tractor. And then third of all, for me, yeah, we just had really cold weather in the state of Iowa, and and I and it just made me chuckle when, when they were interviewing people in Chicago. I had a Fox News um, station on, and they were interviewing people in Chicago that had Teslas and whatnot. Was, I can't get my car to, to charge. You know, I didn't know. And I was like, oh, I could have told you that <laughs> <laughs> as a farmer. You know, I, that was I remember when we put a heated, heated, um, you know, um, Storage into one of our, our buildings so that we could put our tractors in in the winter time and not have to worry about that because it is it it is a fact of, of using them.
8: So and another concern with those batteries one they're expensive getting yes. them replaced. Really, you know, that you know they talk about the cars and oh it's they talk about what you're saving on engine hours and all that talking about a $40,000 battery, all a sudden you're talking about a new car, but also <laughs> the concern is, is what they're doing and what they're using to make the lithium, to make those batteries. It's not so great for the environment either.
9: No, exactly. Well, and then too, where, where do you get that lithium source? It's China. And and you know what? And, and I know people bash China, but you still gotta understand, China has a lot of people that need food. And so, you know, there's some things I know we don't like about China, but yet, there's a lot of people there that need need food, and we are one. Of, we are the world's biggest supplier of food, and so to poo-poo that market is wrong. We we can't. We can't afford to do that. We got to figure out new new ways to work with China, and and we're doing that. I met with uh, the Chinese ambassador here in August, and and we both agreed. You know, we need to be working on our trade, and so and I think to be honest with you, I think if uh, we could have just uh, you know written out the paperwork that day, it have been fine, but there's some politics involved that we had nothing to do with. So, but just know there there, there is a want to work together and, and we are continuing to do that.
8: And and also, I'm sure on the trade front, it's also expanding those markets because we did learn during the trade war that having all your eggs in one basket does not work.
9: Right, right. And so there, yeah, um, U.S. Grains Council helps us do that, helps us get into the uh, Asian rim market, um, you know, to tie, or. Taiwan, Japan, um, 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 India, Africa, um, Malaysia, There's, there is a ton of other places that we can go besides just China. So yeah, it was one of those aha moments, but as we we're working with those you know, other countries and stuff, there is so much opportunity. It's just having the boots on the ground. And so now with uh, the monies that we're going to be getting that those that i uh, talked about um, through the CCC or whatever, that's going to be a tremendous help for us to, to in order to develop those markets to which, you know, sadly, you know, those markets, the MAP and f and just, just weren't doing it. It's just not enough. And so, and then, you know, and I, and I talk about U.S. grains, well, you also have the um, United States Meat Federation, and I've been on missions with them, and they do a phenomenal job, you know, taking meat to countries that, and helping them work with our meats in in different ways to to give their consumers a different taste of, you know, pork, beef, whatever. So, I mean, two amazing groups that that we as corn growers um, support and they they help do bidding that we can't, I mean, in the countries that we don't necessarily have a chance to get to.
1: Thank you once again to Jolene Reeson of the Iowa Corn Growers Association for joining Dustin Huffman from Houston. It is time now once again for the three big Iowa Ag
2: Matters. Number three. Trading in a deficit still is the U.S. At one point, a lot of folks had hoped to change that, but according to the USDA's trade outlook for the fiscal year 2024, Betty Rosnick, an economist with the American Farm Bureau Federation, says they are showing lower agricultural exports. There's
5: still expected to be a record agricultural trade deficit of $30.5 billion and also an annual decline in agricultural exports of about $8.3 $8.3 billion to now $170.5 billion. And that reduction is fueled primarily by a reduction in both the value and volume of soybeans and soybean products and also a strong U.S. dollar.
2: She says part of that is a revising down of exports to China, while a bright spot certainly is increasing expectations for trade with Mexico and Canada. Number two. Base spring prices are set for crop insurance for the 2024 growing season now that the month of March has rolled around and they are substantially lower than a year ago as you might imagine. In fact, a whopping $1.24 under on corn at $4.66. Last year was $5.90 and on soybeans, $11.55 per acre in the revenue guarantee. Of course, that reflects the um, average of the December contract during the month of February and the formula does, of course, account for what happens in the month of November as well during harvest season before final Payouts are determined. Number one. Telling the story of Iowa agriculture to a national audience at Commodity Classic. Pat Swanson, Southeast Iowa farmer and District 9 director for the Iowa Soybean Association, says they're bringing many concerns to the national meetings in Houston.
6: Just the funding for the trade and, and uh, you know, concerned about tariffs, concerned about we want free trade for our soybeans. So talking to, you know, and, and going to those markets ourselves. I mean, we're traveling. Next week I'll be traveling to Romania to see how our checkoff dollars are being used there, see what other things we can do, and also to tell our story. You know, it's really important that we tell our story about what we're doing on our farm to keep their soybeans the highest quality um, the and the most affordable. Soybeans in the world.
2: You can hear more about the issues being raised by Iowans to the national organizations on our website at iowaagnet.com. I'm Andy Peterson. Those are your three big Iowa Ag Matters.
5: Hi, my name is Shannon Muller, and I've been a certified crop advisor in Iowa for two years. The Iowa CCA program is valuable to me because it provides additional opportunities to learn about research and solutions for current agronomic challenges not just locally, but from around the world. To learn more about becoming a certified crop advisor, visit iowacca.org.
2: We'll take a look at the numbers here market-wise coming up on Iowa Ag Matters, your authentic, official, and trusted voice of Iowa agriculture. Sit tight.
1: This is the Midday Market Update on Iowa Ag Matters. I'm Mark Magnuson. There are rumors that China looking to buy corn from the U.S. Pacific Northwest. No flash sales announced this morning, but even if there had been, this may have been already priced into the market. U.S. ethanol production said to be up 4.5% in 23-24, which is above the USDA's projection. Central Brazil has had a break from rain over the course of this week, which should help with corn planting. However, rains are expected to return this weekend and into next week. Export shipments of U.S. soybeans in 23-24 are down 21% from last year, which is below the USDA's projected pace. This may continue to weigh on the market, especially as the U.S. is uncompetitive with South America. March soybean FOB values in Paranagua, Brazil, are said to be about $1.05 per bushel less than prices out of New Orleans. The Buenos Aires Grain Exchange rated Argentina's soybean crop 82% fair to excellent, a 1% decrease from last week's 83% fair to excellent rating. That's the latest on the grains. Here's Andy Peterson with more livestock news.
2: Cattle first here, Mark. On a Friday, daily estimated slaughter total numbers 123,000 head. That's the same as a week ago and 1,000 less than a year ago. As far as the boxes, they're stronger. Again, today the select uh, choice spread narrowing just a touch. 78 loads of choice cuts selling at 304.20 up a dollar seventeen. Select a buck twenty-four stronger at two ninety-four eighteen on twenty-three loads of movement, the spread right at ten dollars. Now on the pork side of the equation, daily estimated slaughter total numbers coming in at four hundred ninety-one thousand head. That's thousand more than a week ago and four thousand more than a year ago. Off to the cash markets. We wrap up yesterday's trade for comparison purposes. Negotiated purchases. Barrels and gilts on a carcass basis. Producers sold 2,500 head, so a pretty light day. Weighted average price was up $1.02. At 75.49 formula purchases, a big day, 168,000 head of sales. Weighted average price, 78.61, so that market finished just 26 cents higher, much higher than that, at midday yesterday. Now, as far as how we're doing here to end the week, a pretty light run of negotiated purchases. Only 1,895 head is sold. Weighted average price seventy one forty two. The market basically flat today. Hundred and three thousand had of formula purchases. Weighted average price seventy nine fifty. So we're up a dollar twenty there.
7: You might think Iowa just grows corn, but the truth is, corn grows Iowa. Hi, I'm Stu Swanson, a farmer from Galt, Iowa, and the first vice president of the Iowa Corn Growers Association. Whether you're planting, harvesting, or anywhere in between, as a member of the Iowa Corn Growers Association, you're also actively advocating for our industry. As an ICGA member, you have a voice lobbying on ag issues at the state and federal levels on priorities that impact your farm. Join us today at iowacorn.org slash join.
1: At midday, March corn down five and a quarter at 4 ten and a half. March soybeans up three and a quarter at 11 and a half. March soybean meal up $1.70 at 3 35 even. March soybean oil down 23 cents at 44 43 on the Merck, April live cattle up $1.47 at 186.82. March feeder cattle up $2.97 at 251.97. April lean hogs up 75 cents at 87.37. April pork cutout down 30 cents at 93 even. And Class 3 milk down 14 cents at 16.82. And a reminder, you can find market information anytime on our website at iowaagnet.com. And while you're there, don't forget to sign up for our newsletter that delivers our five daily news stories to your inbox each day. That was a check of the midday markets on Iowa Ag Matters. I'm Mark Magnuson.
2: And we turn the focus of the conversation now market-wise to livestock as we wind up another trading week, of course, and one that uh, featured not only ups and downs, but um, a lot of key conversations for one Matt Bennett. In Houston at Commodity Classic, he wraps up the conversation now with Mark Magnuson.
1: Let's go over to the other side of the ag marketplace in the livestock complex. What are we seeing taking place with the protein sector?
3: You know, we've been a little easier here this week. You know, you you look, for instance, at the cattle market market. Oh, April, I believe yesterday was uh, down for the third straight day. I mean, we're not looking at necessarily an absolute uh, collapse by any means. We were down less than a dollar today, yesterday, and I believe a buck fifty or sixty the day before. So, you know, we've probably lost around, oh, two fifty to two seventy five, you know, off the fat cattle market here this week. I just think after last week's uh cattle on feed and placements, you know, the placements number was definitely not as low as what people thought it would be. And so my personal thought is that if it was an extremely low number, you'd have made up for it next month. I didn't think it was going to be a big ordeal. But the problem is, yes, it was a bearish number, so to speak. Uh, and whenever you come in this week and you have a different mentality as far as, um, you know, what what's going on in the corn market, for instance, uh, you know, basically rallied 20 cents off the lows. I mean, to me, that just kind of changes the mentality, if you will, of the marketplace and uh, maybe brought a little bit of those sellers in that uh, were hesitant to sell at the start of the week.
1: What the hogs, are they still standing on somewhat firm ground right now?
3: You know, you look over at the hogs and of course, they've had a really strong, solid run. I mean, you've got your first three contracts. In the triple digits. I mean, really, really steep uptrend. Um, I'd be a touch cautious there, but I mean, this is the highest uh, hog market that we've seen in several months. I'd have to go back to, uh, oh gosh, uh, I'm going to say uh, 22 or 23, early 23. Before, uh, you know, whenever I can, I can look at triple digit prices on on three months, for instance. So um, I feel like hogs look good on the chart. I mean, they're above all your moving averages. But at the same time, you know, if you would go up here and maybe back off a little bit. Uh, I'd be a little concerned about reversal action. So, uh, again, really steep uptrend. Uh, market looks great right now, but I'd, I'd probably proceed with caution here.
1: What's the best way for our listeners to get in touch for more marketing information?
3: Yep, it's just agmarket.net. They go there and they can uh, pick up on uh, uh, any of our info, technology, contact uh, stuff, You know, uh, ways to reach out if they want to have one of us come speak. There's all kinds of different things they can do uh, right through, through that website.
1: Matt Bennett of agmarket.net, our guest here today. Matt? thanks so much for the time, and have a great time and rest of your trip in Houston.
3: Absolutely. appreciate it.
0: If you thought soybeans were only used for tofu, think again. From tires and adhesives to next-generation asphalt, soy is used to create over 1,000 industrial products and counting. Thanks to your Soy Checkoff investment, the sky's the limit for Iowa soybean farmers. Oh, and speaking of skies, did I mention soy is also used in sustainable aviation fuel? The Iowa Soybean Association, powered by the Soy Checkoff, is driven to deliver for Iowa's 40,000 soybean farmers. Learn more at IASoybeans.com.
2: Certainly a lot of regenerative agriculture conversations happening in Houston at uh, Commodity Classics. Mitchell Hora was down to doing some uh, carbon intensity scoring with our friends at Continuum Ag. And, uh, of course, you heard from Dr. Sheets there what ADM is up to, which is fantastic. And by the way... The uh, enrollment, now, now that it's March 1st, for the 24 crop for ADM regeneration should be opening very, very soon. And when it does, we'll tell you about it here on Iowa Ag Matters. More in just a moment. Sit tight.
1: Dustin Huffman with his mobile microphone in Houston, Texas, and getting a chance to catch up with Dr. Paul Sheets. Of ADM and ADM, of course, working on a big project with the regenerations programs. I know a very popular system last year for ADM, and they continue that this year with more great programs. Here is Dustin and Doctor Sheets.
8: So we're talking about your Regenerations program. We've talked about it in the past on the network, but what is the message you're bringing to the farmers from across the country here at commodity Classic?
10: Yeah, the biggest thing is if they are thinking about adopting a conservation practice that
8: could include cover
10: crops, conservation tillage, or some sort of fertilizer efficiency program, the one thing that we want to do is provide private funds to, uh, to help with that decision tree, because we know that each one of those decisions that are ultimately made comes from the productivity or a cost concern that's associated with it. So as a a private entity, and grain handler, uh, we want to offset some of those productivity and cost risks by being able to offer them not only dollars, not only incentives, but also resources because we have a lot of technical assistance partners that help us with these programs as well. Uh, they give them resources on how to do it correct as well.
8: So we hear about a lot of programs when it comes to regenerative agriculture or carbon credits or this or that or the other thing. What is it about your program that's different from all of these other ones? So you're right Justin,
10: it is a super noisy space because it's still early. Even though conservation ag isn't early, the incentive structures and the contract structures is still in early days. It seems we start seeing a little bit more standardization. Uh, over the next several years, but I think it's a lot of noise that farmers ultimately have to deal with today. The one thing that we love about our programs is that it took us 10 years to develop them. We've been engaging farmers since 2012 on just collecting data what works, what doesn't work, what's their frustration. A big item we hear is long contracts, five to 10 year agreements when they don't necessarily know what they're going to be doing in five to 10 years. So we offer annual contracts. Another component is additionality that you hear in as a requirement in a lot of carbon offset programs, we do offer incentives for herby adopters as well because the truth is, and any of the programs that we've stood up for the last several years, whenever we get a chance to lean on those early adopters to tell the story and show how passionate they are about opt- um, adopting these practices, really helps us to recruit more growers on it. So I'd say those are probably the two items, contract length, flexibility, and, uh, and also the ability to reward early adopters
8: in certain practices. And now you're also in partnership with FBN on making this work, correct? Tell us how that works.
10: Yeah, the one thing that we figured out really early is we can't do it on our own. Um, There's four capabilities that we have, like buying grain from farmers and having strong relationships with farmers that we could lean on. But ultimately, there was two kind of gaps that we saw. One of them was what you're talking about. It's the data collection piece. We didn't have an in-house platform that we could um, efficiently uh, collect data to ultimately get the outcomes that we need, because the biggest item is It's super frustrating to give this data, especially for farmers, especially when they're giving it to FSA offices and they're using it for some of their other technologies to, to ultimately have to give it for our requirements as well. So we want to try to make it as easy and as streamlined as possible. But one thing that we ultimately need, I use the example of like grade school math. When you answer the question, if you don't show your work ultimately on that, then sometimes you didn't get the, the, the answer correct. But on our side, as it's early days and we're trying to substantiate the impacts associated with these practices, showing work really, really helps for that commercialization and that long-term of offering. So FBN's helping us not only with trying to have like, the ease of use of collecting this data, but the, the rigor around the outcomes as well. Uh, another partner I'd like to call out is our technical assistance partners in a lot of regions that help with the, the agronomic expertise around planting a cover crop across conservation tillage fertilizer efficiency that includes American Farmland Trust, Ducks Unlimited, um, Minnesota Soil Health Coalition, Kansas Association, Conservation District, Fractal Farmers of Iowa, Flat River Soil and Water Conservation Association.
1: Of course, it is Friday, last day of the week here on Iowa Ag Matters, but we will continue to bring you great conversations and content from Commodity Classic as we continue the show next week. It is time now for our featured conversation with
2: Jolene Reeson of Iowa Corn. There's a lot of conversation at Commodity Classic about the importance of carbon intensity scoring and increasing farmer participation. I have a corn growers association, one of the leaders on the issue, according to President Jolene Reeson.
9: So I had a study done here on my farm, and I'm actually a a negative carbon emitter, and and I managed to get to that point by... I no-till. I use cover crops. I have a custom feed yard that we feed cattle in, and I utilize that manure as part of my, as part of my fertility program. The ground is is actually worked very little. Um, if we can no-till it, that's usually what we do. Always keeping in mind, you know, the soil erosion, carbon capture. We just try and do everything that we can to number one keep the soil. On my farm, number two, to keep the fertilizer on my farm. She
2: says lowering ethanol's carbon intensity score will be key to unlocking the sustainable aviation fuel market. And you can learn more at iowacorn.org. Well, once again, a very busy Iowa Ag Matters program. We managed to get it all in somehow, Mark. So uh, good job on that. We appreciate it.
1: Thanks, Andy. Had a good time being on the show with you this week while Dustin's been
2: away. Yeah, he'll be flying back uh, from Houston, so hopefully his arms don't get too tired. He makes it into uh, back into Iowa here. No weather delays this time, which is kind of nice to hear about, and we'll look forward to him rejoining us on Monday. Thanks, of course, to Riley for making us all sound good, and you for being here. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you Monday on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network.